Have you ever wondered why you're not making a podcast? Maybe because you think it's too hard. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. And there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I mean, you're immediately in the podcast game. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So right now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Just go to A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M and join me on Anchor. Presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. I'm Jim Perry, and you are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet. Tonight, a conversation with Joshua Langfelder, the founder of Randonautica, a mobile discovery app that appears to be so much more. I was first made aware of Randonautica in July of last year when three teens found a small black suitcase on the shoreline of West Seattle. Inside, human remains. They were led there by Randonautica. This discovery app asked the users to set their intentions before generating random coordinates in a user's general vicinity. And now, thousands of stories of mysterious, surprising, and synchronistic events have been reported, leading some to believe that Randonautica is a powerful magical tool, perhaps giving us a glimpse into the inner working of consciousness and the true structure of reality. I interviewed Joshua over at the Euphemet Patreon while the app was still in beta, and soon after the event in West Seattle. Now, Randonautica is available internationally. The app and its users are revealing even more about its alleged ability to break one out of the so-called matrix and into more subtle realms. But how does it all work? Is it really creating participants in magic? Is it a vehicle into the unknown? And what is next for Joshua and Randonautica? I'm joined by writer Darcy Staniforth and mystic Tim Rothschild to learn more in a conversation with a man who pioneered this very unique tool, Joshua Lingfelder, right now on Night Drift. What I think is is great about your app is that it, it really is able to integrate with so many different audiences and so many different communities. It sort of it kind of shatters the glass between so many communities within the consciousness world, within the science world, with even just the exploratory paranormal world. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Our, our whole ideology is just curiosity. So it, it actually becomes difficult when navigating these different cultural boundaries to be like, what can we talk about and what can't we talk about? Because there's some things that just like cause people to start fighting immediately. And we're trying to foster this global mythos just based on just curiosity. So, so far it's going pretty good. So, yeah. so far it's going pretty good. When was the last time we talked? What do you remember what month that was? I think it was in July. 
Yeah, I think it was in July. So July 4th is, funny enough, the day we truly went international. And July 4th was the day that we blew up in Mexico and Russia. And so wow. since then, I've, I've always been like super connected to the Randonauts and everyone who uses our app. And since then, like I only speak English. And most of our user base since then has been not speaking English. So it's wow. kind of an interesting thing. So like, yeah, we're truly an international movement at this point. It's pretty cool. Let, let me ask you this just straight away. Let's just dive into it as far as we can go right now. Have you started to see any changes within the AI or the thinking of the app now that it is broader and integrating these other international communities? Is there anything different about the app now that it that it's essentially larger? What's interesting is how much of the same it is now that it's bigger is that once once we got really going again like internationally it was like good to see true random not content which is like a blurry picture in the middle of the woods or like some strange door that doesn't belong and doesn't go anywhere or something like like this these aberrations or like these anomalies are are sort of culturally timeless in a way and and that Mm. something that's strange or unknown to you is going to be unknown to other people as well. And, and you're going to share in that. So it's, it's pretty cool to see how the same it is throughout international communities. Wow, that's really, that's really fascinating. Just to, to think about that for a minute in terms of what our you know, sort of shared cultural reaction to the strange is internationally, right? Yeah. So we've, we've, had, a, we've had a different, a, a few different um, like demographics start to... I guess, culturally project their collective unconscious. And so we had Gen Z really hard with TikTok hmm. and like American TikTokers were like going off in March and after March. And it was just insane what the TikTok Gen Z are willing to do. Like, and what they, what they're looking for is crazy. Like that's, hmm. it, it's really interesting. Explain that a little bit in terms of what you've discovered that they're looking for. I, they were looking for extreme stuff. So I didn't create Randonautica and immediately go looking for death. Yeah. That was a TikTok invention. Like <laughs> I, I, I never used it for that purpose. Right. And we had to go, kind of go in internally and reroute some things mm. so mm. that like we all decided if you want to go looking for death or danger, you have to be holding a bone. And so like we had to sort of redecide what the rules of the game were a little bit and, because people were looking for just dangerous stuff and they were finding it. And that, mm. that was, what was kind of interesting. So this is what's so fascinating about jumping back into this conversation with you just a few months removed from when we last spoke is that we, we went on a quest to converse and interview with a lot of thought leaders, uh, guys like Dr. Dean Radin of the mm-hmm. global consciousness project, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake, Mm-hmm. Right? Like these are individuals we spoke to and we actually right. asked them their opinion on technology, right? Like Randonautica. Mm-hmm. In addition to the exciting conversations we had with individuals like that, we also spoke with a, a lot of folks involved in mysticism and occultism. Mm-hmm. And one of the fundamental things that was brought up routinely was sort of the manifestation through magic. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is that we talked last time about the inherent responsibility in some of all that stuff. And 
you guys didn't really take that lightly. You were, you, you were considering some of those things. Can you explain a little bit about, about your thinking and your thought process around that? Yeah, well, definitely. Like when you give someone, uh, the power to manifest something, but you do not give them the wisdom to know what to manifest, like there can be issues. And we ran into that time and time again, like, because we sort of do have a way to sort of manifest what you want. And, um, people sort of lacked the wisdom. So there was a big, big, big movement within our group to like come up with like what we call the nine tenets of the randonauts, which are like just some core values that we, we have, which is like bring a trash bag while you're randonauting, leave a place better than it was, you know, be sincere, value your inner life, value synchronicities, you know, be, be brave enough to listen to your intuition and to, you know, kind of say, okay, what, if what's going on inside matches the outward world, maybe I'm, maybe I'm onto something and be willing to explore that and breaking cultural boundaries and stuff like that. So we really like hammered that kind of stuff home because it truly is when you give someone the power of manifestation, but they don't have the wisdom or collectively, they don't have the wisdom to use it. We do get some interesting responses. Oh, With great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And and that is what is interesting. Like uh, I, I got a tweet today that was like, we had some kids uh, that came into our paintball field, random nodding and they could have gotten hurt, you know? And it was like, mm. Oh, well, okay. I'll watch, I'll watch over my kids better next time or something. You know, it's like, right. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what to tell people. Like if you're going to trespass, that's not something that Randonautica did. Like he, trespassing on a private property is, is not something that the Randonauts are about. We, we, we respect private property, but you have to, if you generate a random point, you have to be practicing situational awareness and personal responsibility and not, you know, trespass onto someone's land that's not yours. Yeah. You know? It's, it's not a license to do whatever the hell you want just because. Right. It's and I don't know how to get that uh, across to people quite that uh, it's really not my problem. If people want to trespass, they're going to trespass, you know, you could use Google maps to look up someplace to trespass, you know, <laughs> what, were, what were you going to say there, Tim? I don't know if that's your job or if you, you should be taking something like that on. <laughs> I mean, if I could, if I could, then I, you know, that's, that's, that is something that I try to do is communicate that vision across to people. But, you know, I can't hold everyone's hand and, and say, look, trespassing is not a good idea. We have it in our terms of service. We have it in the first screens when you first download the app. But if someone's going to trespass, they're going to trespass. And, and that's a big reason that we kind of had to slow things down a little bit and, and really try not to put ourselves out there. Like we try, we tried to be an underground thing and it, it really just blew up. <laughs> because people were breaking into houses looking for ghosts and stuff. And, and that was just like, well, that was never intended for that purpose. Yeah. It was never intended for that. Wow. Were there ever nights when that started to happen where you lost a little bit of sleep over? Definitely. I mean, like when, when they found the dead body in Seattle, I, I woke up that morning and I had to go on national TV and tell everybody like, look, this is a coincidence. Like I, I went on, the Russian state military TV at seven 30 in the morning to talk about it. And they gave us a really fair shake actually. But like, yeah, I definitely, I, I mean, I just moved in with my girlfriend at the time and like we were in the apartment and I'm like, I'm going to rearrange my apartment to get on TV to explain why somebody found a dead body using our app. So that was, that was insane. Wow. I think it's really smart that you came up with the nine tenants, you know, because you created something that's obviously taken off. And at some point, uh, the community that gathers around it kind of 
goes outside of your control. That's what I was alluding yeah. before. At some point, it's sort of like, so what do you do? You, you do your best to instill what sounds like some very spiritual and practical tenets. You kind of hit it from all, all angles. Right. I love to be curious. Yeah. It's wonderful. I think, too, it comes down to people taking responsibility for themselves, right? And I think right. that's one of the challenges sometimes people have when they're engaging with something and they go, well, it told me to do it. It's like, well, right. you need to take responsibility for your own actions and your own autonomy. And it's right. just like if somebody, you know, harms someone with a car, you don't sue the car maker, you sue yeah. the person, right? And right. so... I think that's where some of that disconnect can happen. I'm with Tim on that. Like, I don't know, Josh, if that's the thing that you want to take on to be like, children, here are these right. things. But it's also, I understand your responsibility because you've created this app. Right. So, Josh, where did the Randonautica app idea come from? So, that, that came from a long time of um, a group of us were experimenting with going to random places. And there was just like... A group of people, um, it started internationally, it, it started in Russia, and people were experimenting with going to random places, and they found some interesting um, things immediately, just using pseudo-randomness to, to send people to weird places. Even years later, after they would send people just random coordinates, strange things were happening. And so they thought, wow, this is really interesting. And so they started experimenting with um, the quantum random number generators and because they suspected there was some kind of retrocausal effects going on because that they would send someone a coordinate at one point in time and even years later, it would be something strange happening. So they started um, experimenting with the mind-machine interaction effects like the Princeton Engineering Anomalies Lab and Dean Radin and stuff like that. And eventually it made its way onto Telegram where I was just looking for treasure, basically. Mm. I, I'd like been invoking treasure spirits and looking for treasure, basically. Mm. And that's when I found this weird code to a random thing. And I had been studying parapsychology and I thought, man, this should not be hidden anymore. Like this is, this should be in everybody's hands, not just right. like 12 people for the last yeah. decade. Like this should be in everybody's hands. So I really started trying to attract anyone I could to work on the project, like anybody uh, to just like get this into the public consciousness because I saw how the technology was there and like you can make practical applications using this effect. But what wasn't there was the public consciousness and the public awareness. Right. And so I thought if you could just broaden the public awareness and consciousness to catch up to the technological acceleration, then you're making real progress. And like, so we now we have people hacking on MMI and we have people hacking on apps, sending people to random places and using my machine interaction and people influencing random number generators. Now more, it, we're, we've kind of like started a new kind of awakening in that sort of field, which is really interesting for me to see projects sort of, I can tell there's like a vein there and starting up in 2020. So that's pretty cool. You're doing it right for the time, you know, for as much as we appreciate the work of the Institute, Institute of Noetic Sciences and, and some of these thought leaders that, you know, maybe a lot of us stayed up listening to on our bell for a long time, you know, so for the general public, no matter how credentialed these individuals are, you know, it's still fringe, right? Mm -hmm. And and you're actually bringing a level of interactivity that right. is approachable and right. very now. And so 
that was probably top of your mind, right? Like, how do I get people to actually engage with what I know is going on here? Yeah. That, I mean, that was my biggest motivation was this, was that I saw this was being used on people and I wanted it to be used by people mm. and for them to use it themselves. And instead of it being something you're marketed to using intention, using quantum randomness, or you're hooked up with a date using this effect or something like that without your knowledge, really like how Facebook is like, people are always saying, are they listening to me? Are they reading my mind? Like, yeah. fuck yes, they are. Like people right. are marketing to you based on intention using this effect. And that, and that, that was something I wanted people to use for themselves. Well, this dark magic that is being applied to us in a technological way, you know, if, if anyone saw that recent film, the documentary on Netflix recently, right? I yeah. can't remember the name. What was that called? Social Dilemma. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. it's sort of, it, what a great example of how th there is a, a black magic in these things orchestrating. Right. I'm holding for, for sure. the listening audience. I'm holding up my iPhone right now. I mean, right. uh, Tim just the other day, text me about a book that he was reading and I didn't say anything else about it. I said, yeah, I heard that book is better than the film. And then an email later in the day from Amazon with that book. And it's like, right. why is there a connection there between these apps that are s allegedly disparate? Right. And right. You, know, you get to the point where how much of that is just programming? How much of that is AI knowing that Tim is has read that book and we're friends and we communicate and then this will probably be brought up in conversation. And then mm -hmm. here we go, you know? Yeah. Well, it, what, what's interesting is when that, when that movie came out, there was a lot of um, public discourse about it, but I personally have met a lot of like, since I started this company, I like venture capitalists and people who are raising money who like are, have that sort of paradigm as the social dilemma where they're trying to change those dark patterns and wow. they really want to do something that's different and good, you know? And so that is a change that I've seen in the last few years of, of like, since that social dilemma movie came out and stuff like that. I think there is sort of a wave of um, changing how we group and how we discover things instead of being put into these filter bubbles and marketed to like, Personally, I think we should have more novelty and inject more novelty in, in that. And, and, and we do that using randomness to, to, to get out of filter bubbles and discover novelty out in the real world right now. But you can also do it algorithmically, you know, instead of putting you in a filter bubble with discovery using randomness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I want to ask you a little bit as we continue on about some of the um, sort of the mechanics of how Randonautica works technologically. Yeah. But first, I want to drill a little bit into the philosophy behind some of this, because I, I think for listeners, it may be material that they want to check out and research and read themselves. I understand you're you're pretty influenced by Derive, this, yeah. this concept uh, by an Italian Guy Debord, right? Guy okay. Debord. And it's the situationists uh -huh. and, and, and they're essentially, they're different techniques like the derive and the deatoma, uh, which is, you know, sort of a rerouting or a cut up, but basically using randomness to create genuine life events, to, to, yeah. to break up the mundanity, to break up the formality and to create something new out of what may exist right there in front of you. And that, that is as simple as, you know, going home a different way than you typically mm -hmm. do. 
Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that philosophy, how it may or may not have influenced this project, or at least your philosophy in this? Well, just like you said, like going home a different way. Like my grandma never went home the same way twice. That's huh. just how she was, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've, I've said this before, but my mom, um, when we were a ki- when I was a kid, my mom would just take us, we would just go walk around and she would just go, let's go see what we can see. And we would just go walk around and see what we can see, just totally mm-hmm. guided by just whatever we saw, you know? And so like, I've been doing that since I was a kid, which is just like, you, you treat the landscape as a living thing and you know, whatever you're attracted to and you sort of trust that there's something out there for you to find, you know, like there's something to be discovered and, and you just kind of do that. And it, and it does break up the way um, you view the city and you view the landscape and the, the way we, our minds organize all these things I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to go to the store. I'm going down this road. Versus I'm just going to walk in a straight line across the whole city and see what I can see. You're going to, you're going to end up seeing some hidden corners and a lot of strange, weird stuff kind of uh, congregates and is attracted to these weird hidden corners of our Mm -hmm. realities. And so that can help you access it. Go ahead. And I think that that ties into what you were saying, though, about the technological filter bubble, right? Because we become our own filter bubbles when we are, I go the same way. I always shop the same way. Mm -hmm. I, you know, whatever that is. And I know that this is something in both using the app and even just taking neighborhood walks in these, this time of lockdown. It's just like, well, I'm going to try this way. And I, I have taken the same path so many times now. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing different things every time because mm-hmm. I set that intention to say, like, I'm going to be observant. I'm going to notice flowers right. or garden decor or, oh, it's holiday decor now or whatever. Uh-huh. And I think that also affects what, like, the cycles we get in in our actual physical life, we're, of course, going to get into in our technological life. Yeah, I think so. I bet it does. It does it mirror it in a way and it limits how you can view the world and like you know we have access to this sort of like exocortex or like brain like cybernetic brain outside of ourselves and if we use these certain systems we kind of lock ourselves into thinking using those systems and so when you use randomness you are sort of breaking out of those sort of systems and and you start making associations outside of those causal probability tunnels and yeah, I think I think we definitely get stuck in those filter bubbles, whether we're using Facebook or not, like because the people we're interacting with are doing that stuff. And like the, we're, we are we're, we're part of a small system that it, when you can open it up and branch off those paths, it opens up so much, so much like all, not just causality, but possibilities. Hmm. It's it's a responsible chaos. In some ways, yeah, and 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 that 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 breaking up of conformity is perhaps the key tool in confusing sort of the consumerist AI bot, right? You zig when they think you're going to zag. Be, yeah, be, become become intel- unintelligible to capitalism or whatever yeah. whatever he said. Like, right, yeah, right. Just like I, I think that we have so much outside of our limited frame of reference. And if you just open that up a bit and just branch off those predetermined paths, it, you can start to blossom and you can find, I mean, there, there are so many things that I found when I was random nodding that have had 
reverberations way later that were just really funny. And like, Mm -hmm. like one time I found a crowbar while I was randonautic, like, okay, I have a crowbar. So the crowbar in the back of my truck. And then one day I get locked out of my house and it was like an emergency. And because I had that crowbar, I got back into my house and like, it was like problem solved. (laughs) And it was like, it was like a year later, but I made that connection and that, and that, and that these things can happen even years down the line. Something happened because of something you did when you were randonauting years ago. And it's interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I like that story a lot because it opens up the door to sort of the timeless quality of what you're working mm-hmm. with here, right? So right. On this level, because you, you, you know, skeptics can point to anything, you know, oh, more randonauters are going out there and they're doing stuff. So obviously there's going to be more connections made. Yeah, sure. But for the, uh, uh, you know, for us, we, we know that there's also something else going on. I, I, have, I have a question. Yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious. So as, as people uh, work with the app more and more, have you found that um, time used with the application affects how powerful their intentions are or what starts to show up? You know, I know yeah. that's going to be sort of a side effect just by using this app, just because people are tapping into that level of their being. But have you yeah. noticed there's like a relational thing? You know, the more they use yeah. the app, the more the, it, the app uses them. <laughs> Not to get so yeah. creepy, but you know? Yeah. But well, literally, you're training yourself to influence probabilities. Right. So if you say, I want to find a red door, by using Randonautica and looking for a red door, you've increased the probability of you finding a red door. Hmm. And so once you start doing that on the micro world, like influencing a quanta of a photon, you know, like a very small thing in the random number generator, you're trying to influence with your mind. Once you get good at that, you can start influencing things in the macro world, like Hmm. going from influencing a slot machines, random number generator to influencing a poker hand that's dealt by a dealer. Like, it, I think it depends on how much energy is being expended and how, how easy it is. But you can definitely learn to influence these things more. Definitely. Like we have a thing where it's just like a graph and you make a line move up and down with your mind. And I have a friend who is psychic, who has a bunch of psychic students from you know Russia and whenever they use the graph thing, the, it's way above the line. Like you, all mm-hmm. these guys, psychics and these psychic students, they, they're, they're influencing this graph because they practiced. And, and people who put in practice, they, you can objectively see they're better at influencing the randomness. So yes, when you're, when you're randonauting, you're literally training yourself to be lucky. And you're training yourself to influence probabilities. That's mm-hmm. one of the coolest things. That's a good pitch. Yeah, it's really cool. Josh, are you experiencing a higher engagement with countries like Russia in terms of their interest or curiosity or, you know, sort of hunger to tap into whatever the app is doing? Yeah, I think, well, we had a huge one in Mexico. Like right now, the Randonautica group on Telegram, which has been open for like two years, has like 3,000 people in it. Wow. Mexico, which started like around July 4th has like 11,000 people in it. Like wow. Mexico, because they know what it is they've done, you know, they, they understand about I- influencing things with intention like that, that, that they, they already know about it. So yeah, we have a huge user mm-hmm. base in Mexico, in Indonesia, um, in India, we're starting to go. And Poland is actually our Warsaw is the number one random city right now is Warsaw. Wow. That's crazy. But huh. yeah. 
but we, we definitely in America, it was kind of a hard sell in, in, in North America and USA. It was kind of a hard sell. And then it got to Mexico and it was just like, well, of course, because that's what we do when we light a candle, you know, it's like, it's in the culture. Uh, Tim, what's interesting about this is that so much of what Josh is talking about in terms of the ability of it to express a retro causality even are things that we've spoke about so many times in terms of your work with your shamanic work and non-dualism. The cupness of time. The cupness of time. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how, I mean, seemingly it's presented within this format? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, the cupness of time, it talks about how past, present, and future are all happening at the same time. Very much like if you're holding a cup and it's it's being held within the, um, you know, where you, the volume of whatever liquid would be in there. Mm-hmm. So you're swimming in this past, present, and future at all times. But where is your consciousness at that particular time? And, and uh, where are you located? And depending on your constitution, your, you know, relationship to reality, you can uh, be awake to um, different aspects of time. And there's other ways to use it with magic where it doesn't need to be so, um, it, it can be just the way Randonautica presents it in that you notice that you, you got a crowbar two years ago, all of a sudden it becomes relevant today, right? Yeah. To somebody who, who doesn't have um, a relationship to the level of reality that we're speaking to, again, they could talk to that, they can just write that off as coincidence. But we, there's a certain feeling when you've worked with this stuff enough where you can recognize, oh, there's something else that's happening here. Right. And that's, yeah. that, that has to be like a felt sense. So that's best. That's the best short thing I can give you on the cup. It's interesting that you go into shamanism because um, like as we started learning about it wasn't shamanism that led us to Rananautica. It was Rananautica that led us to shamanism because mm-hmm. we started sending people to these random places and started experiencing these uh, timeless sort of loops and that is what made us start researching into shamanism. And like, that, it's really interesting. As, as, and as to, to the points that we were making earlier, shamanism is all about intimacy with reality, intimacy with life. So they have, they're in touch with themselves and these uh, very subtle realms. And as such, then um, a, a shaman who works with a Randonautica app is going to have a much different experience as they're walking in that straight yeah. line. Because it's going to be what they see is going to be a reflection of their person itself. Mm-hmm. Right? It'd be interesting to track this as the evolution of people working with this and ha- as we all grow together and, and see what see what reveals itself. Yeah, definitely. Um, I read a Russian, Sirkin. Have you read Sirkin? I haven't, no. Do you need to read that one? It's, it's the Russian um, Castaneda. Hmm. Really good. It's in, it's in German and Russian, but they don't have any English. You have to run it through Google Translate. Okay. But it's like, um, yeah, he, he goes to a Siberian shaman. And like, this is the stuff we were pulling from when we created Randonautica. Mm. It was literally like that, that stuff went into Randonautica for sure mm. was um, that, kind of, that kind of stuff. And like when, 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 when the shaman sees something, it's like in 4d, you know, it's like that human centipede type thing where like uh, a person is smeared across time space or something. And it's all happening at once. Like, and then you can start to, once you visualize that, you can start to see how the future could influence the past because it's all happening at once. It's just a frame of reference. And I think like what you're talking about that it's growing in these, in these other spaces 
that are used to ancient practices and they bring from ancestral practice or, you know, centuries and centuries of like, oh, that only, of course, that only makes sense. Of course, we would look to nature for that. Or of course, we would look to um, the stars for that or the water for that. And I think that it, as much as we try and move forward in technology and, um, you know, the sake of progress, right? Like the wheels of progress moving forward. I think we're also seeing though, that the ancient beings, ancient things call back to us and say, there is a reason that we will bring you back to look for these things. And it is because they have existed for so long. Right. Mm. Right. And that, that's what Randonautica, we really, that's one of the identifying characteristics of Randonautica is finding the commonalities between all the eons of spiritual seekings and the truth that people have found here and there. Um, it's all about finding those currents where, where rivers meet and where oceans meet. You know what I mean? Like there you can find, you know, that syncretic um, universal consciousness, unitive consciousness. And, and that's really what we're, we're trying to do is, is build a common global mythos based on folktales. Hmm. Yeah, and of course, you know, some of this is is too much for the general person to digest immediately and right away. But what I like about Randonautica is that it essentially opens a doorway. It, it sort of breaks folks out of a reality tunnel, yeah, mm-hmm. and then allows them to then pursue it further, to mm-hmm. leave that curiosity that took them to the app in the first place, and then mm-hmm. expand upon that. It, Hopefully, potentially answer some questions about, you know, their own relationship to reality, perhaps. So that's one of the things that I'm really interested in working on in 2021 is the integration process, Mm. because we we've we've cracked the, you know, predetermined reality. You know, that's not even in dispute like the determinism stuff like that's not like people will harp on us for our my machine interaction hypothesis. But the breaking determinism is not even in dispute. Like, can can you explain a that a little bit about, about you know, like, your hypothesis there? Uh, there's two parts to the project, which is one is breaking out of your predetermined reality or the stasis field, the complex set of causal webs that keep us locked into our routine. And like, hmm. you know, you're limited to a, a certain amount of potential choices based on where you were born, who you grew up around, stuff like that where you use Randonautica and you get injected into a new web of causality and possibilities. And you can make other potential choices. Like when you go to a Randonaut point, you were never supposed to be there at that time, according to all the other causal possibilities that you would normally operate on. Like I'm hungry. I'm going to go to the fridge and get some food or, you know, I'm hungry. I'm going to go where I know to eat or you use Randonautica and you go eat somewhere that you never would have possibly thought of. Mm-hmm. So it kind of breaks you out of that. And that's not even in dispute. Like people want, want to harp on us for the mind machine interaction, but the breaking out of your predetermined reality or the stasis field, that's, that's pretty much not in dispute. So that that's sort of what one of the things that we like put forth is that the matrix or whatever, isn't an archon archon. It's not a, really conscious entity necessarily, but a mathematical pattern that you can break out of if you so choose. And and so 
that's one of the things that we really lean on is, is, is that the first part of breaking out of your predetermined reality, which only uses pseudo randomness. And I will tell y'all a secret. Um, one, one of the things I've heard is that it's hypothesized that using pseudo randomness um, to explore reality somehow connects the body to the soul. And, mm-hmm. and so you sort of are ensouling yourself more. Now, this is just grumblings I've heard, but I, I, it's an interesting, interesting thing. And in that using pseudo randomness, which is uh, randomness that's generated using a pattern. So it's not inherently patternless. And you, you, you generate the randomness using a certain amount of steps. So if you use like your name to generate the randomness, apparently that sort of helps you break out of your predetermined reality. So there's two parts of the project, breaking out of your predetermined reality and my machine interaction. It's two different things. We use different kinds of randomness for each. We use pseudo randomness for finding blind spots and breaking out of our predetermined realities. We use quantum randomness or true randomness for influencing the randomness and finding a potentially interesting geographic location that may be meaningful or significant to us. Mm. So there's two different, two different use cases sort of. And, um, one of the things that we're most excited about is that right now we're taking a snapshot in time of this distribution of random points. And we, we see where these points cluster around a radius mm. and mm. where they tightly, densely cluster, we hypothesize that they have been influenced by consciousness. If it is mm. according to a certain probability or Z-score. Now, what we're going to be doing in 2021 is scanning throughout time. And so right now it's just a snapshot in time. And what we're going to be doing is doing many, many, many of those. And so we're going to see if there's like a temporal element where these things kind of cluster and they look like almost like a heat map or like a weather map or something. They'll kind of move around if you watch the anomalies. And like what we're interested in is like what happens when you go to the anomaly as it's occurring. Because right mm-hmm. now it's like you generate it and then you go to it and it might work that retro causal way where like you showing up causes an event that you can observe and you like what, you know, that was what you picked or whatever. But now we're going to be doing it. So you go to the anomaly as it's happening. And so that there's yeah. different ways even in this randomness. So this is what we call the intelligent field. So we're, we're accessing information that we would not have otherwise had using this intelligent global field. And um, basically you can use it for divinatory purposes to answer any question or find the location of anything. Or, I mean, in my experience, these things are sort of up for interpretation, but it sort of works. And like it's hypothesized that this effect is actually faster than light travel. And, and actually you can use this um, information transfer for faster than light travel. And I've heard grumblings that in Los Alamos, they're doing this. So mm-hmm. there's, there's a few different ways that people use this randomness. And there's like, you can use it one way to answer a question that you would possibly know the answer to. So like, where did I leave my keys? You would know that answer. And so like, you can do it a certain way so that, like it would be like things you get answers to questions that you could possibly know the answer to. There's another way of using this entropy that you can access information 
of the totality of, of mm. the global conscious field, the intelligent field. So you could answer practically any question. So there's different ways of doing this stuff. And um, what's interesting is like which direction we want to go because you can use it as like a randonautica. You could use it as like a navigation. I want to find X. So I generate a point and it takes me there. Or you can use it to generate something that's so out of your mind's conception, something that you would not know to look for. And this is sort of a contention here because some people want to use it so that it works 100% every time. If I'm thinking of a purple flower, it takes me to purple flowers. But there's another group, and I think I'm in this group, that you want to be surprised. And you want mm. it to take you somewhere that would surprise you and that would be right. so strange and so that you couldn't have thought of it yourself. You know what I mean? We'll be right back with more with Joshua Lingfeld of Randonautica. Follow Nightdrift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Nightdrift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. Winter's chill has returned again, and you're stuck inside, and you need something to make you feel alive. Maybe scare you a little bit, remind you of how precious life really is. And the Netflix of horror, Shudder, is perfect for this. With new supernatural terrors, edge-of-your-seat thrillers, and shocking horrors added every week, I just watched Host, and you can watch it now too and try Shudder for free for 30 days. Go to Shudder.com and use promo code Euphemen. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code, the title of this show, Euphemed. I mean, get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes must-see titles like the Mortuary Collections, plus all the best horror documentaries and the hit Creep Show TV series from executive producer Greg Nicotero of The Walking Dead. And it's only $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. And right now you can watch Spectre Vision's Color Out of Space and, hell, make it a double feature and watch Mandy right after. You can watch the second season of A Discovery, which is... Shudder is really such a unique collection of films and shows, many of them being exclusive to Shudder. I mostly watch on my Apple TV, but you can get unlimited access to stream ad-free on all of your favorite devices. And you can try Shudder for yourself for 30 days for free. And help support Euphemet while you do it. Just go to Shudder.com and use promo code Euphemet. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. Use promo code Euphemet. And, you know, let's get through the winter together. Hello, Night Drift listeners. This is Ryan Singer, host of Me and Paranormal You, and one of the creators of Crystallize. What is Crystallize? Crystallize is the world's first crystal identification app coming to a phone near you very, very soon. The waiting list is live now. Crystallize.app backslash early access or follow on Instagram or Twitter at 
Crystallize app, and that's Crystal E-Y-E-S app. And why is it called Crystal Eyes? Because we're going to be able to take photos of the crystals that you have forgotten and the app will tell you what it is. The Shazama crystals, baby. We are so excited about this. You're going to have a personal collection section. You're going to have a database with over 300 crystals to be able to learn and find information. And our favorite part, we are going to be connecting you with retailers, vendors, and other organizations, along with breaking news about ethically sourced crystals. It's time to feel good about feeling good and no longer buy stones that are meant for healing when they've been sourced from harm. Oh, we are so excited. Join the waiting list today to get one month free of premium features just by signing up. Crystallize.app backslash early access. Now let's get back to Night Drift with Jim Perry. If you want more Night Drift, you can now find it on its very own feed. Help the show out. Please subscribe, rate, and review Night Drift on Apple Podcasts and continue listening to these conversations. From the heart of Cascadia and the edge of the world, Euphomet presents Night Drift with Jim Perry. I wonder, though, if that ties into what you were talking about with the grumblings about the, like, resoling. Because uh-huh. I think sometimes, right, like, hang with me on this. Like, we get so much in our filter bubble, right, of our personal life and in technology that I think sometimes that those filters, we end up tuning out what our internal actually wants. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I could also see this pseudo-random like when we set this intention, that intention is actually what our truest self actually wants. Mm. So that when we set the pseudo randomness and then the pseudo randomness takes us to that, we are reconnecting with ourselves because for a moment we stop that mm. mindfulness and that uh, tuning into the possibility of synchronicity allows mm. like the rest of the, the junk of daily life to go out of the way. And so we, it's like that flash moment of uh, reconnecting with ourselves and resoling in that way. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I, so how many of you guys have experienced like in ritual where you feel the effects of the ritual before you do the ritual Hmm, and you doing the ritual puts you on that probable path of that thing happening. And so it already has occurred. It, it, once you put yourself on that timeline of it being done. Like, so an right. example of this for myself was I was going over the summer to Crestone, Colorado. Okay. Where there's like, it's really cool. Most holy place in North America, healing vortex. And I was extremely ill because like I'm gluten intolerant. And I, I did not know that about myself until I actually, I went to Crestone and then I, I got healed basically. But as soon as I crossed into, like I was literally going there for healing, but as soon as I crossed into Colorado, I started feeling a little bit better. And I think Mm. that's because I like already locked myself into that timeline where I was going to go to the healing vortex. And that healing is sort of like this timeless thing. So once you commit to that event of being healed, you're already healed in the past. 
so weird. Wow. But as soon as I went to Crestone, I took the biggest bowel movement of my life and I was healed. And you were done. I've been great since yeah, then. Yeah, <laughs> there you are. You know, it's funny about that. A personal story here. The first time I ever heard about Crestone was a Euphemet listener sending me some stuff about it a matter of days ago. The, the really? next day, I'm on the phone talking to a friend and a friend of the show, Ryan Singer, telling him about this place and him coming with some stories about a spot that's just south of there. And he had never heard of Crestone before, but he was deep in investigation of this place right, right next door, mm-hmm. essentially. And now here we are the day after you talking about Crestone. Well, let me tell what is going on story. Here. Please this do. Yeah. I have a beautiful story about Crestone. So. Please do. Last year, I took off. Like I, I had been caring for my father who had had a stroke, and it was very difficult. And I was experiencing caretaker burnout, sort of, mm-hmm. where you're taking care of someone, and yeah, it's it, it's tiring. So yeah. I had the opportunity to go to Colorado, and I um, I typed in into Google uh, mountains in Colorado. And it, the first result was Mount Blanca. And then the reviews on Google for Mount Blanca was, I went here and I saw UFOs. So I was like, great, that's where I'm going to go. And so I made this plan to go to, and, and like, as I'm literally leaving my house, I'm like being held back out of my house. I'm like packing a emergency bag. Like it was not a good situation. And for some reason I brought this meteorite that I had been putting on the server that hosted the Randonautica bot, hmm. which led to people seeing UFOs, by the way, but that's another story. But I, I somehow <laughs> just put this meteorite in my bag. And so then I go to Colorado and I'm in um, like the, the Valley, the San Luis Valley, which is beautiful. And like, so there's this mountain called Mount Blanca and someone sends me a podcast that talks about this possible underground alien base under Mount Mm. Blanca. So I'm like, I have to go there. So I go and I do the great sand dunes. It's beautiful. It's tallest sand dunes in North America. It's beautiful. And there's this beautiful mountain and, um, I'm listening to this podcast and it tells me about this UFO watchtower which I thought was really interesting. So I had been reading this book called the, the the cosmic pulse of life or something like that is a really good book that ties in Oregon to UFOs. Mm. And it's like Reiki and UFOs It's a really, really good book. But this guy was just like um, an amateur. What he did was photograph UFOs. And so like, I have this book that has photographs of UFOs. And so I bought infrared film and I was out looking for UFOs, right? Because I had put this meteorite on the server and people started taking pictures of UFOs, random rotting. So I was like, I want to go see one myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm in um, San Luis Valley and um, I go to the UFO watchtower. And this woman who runs the UFO watchtower, she, she was a cowgirl. She had a farm um, that people would go there and they would camp and watch the UFOs because they would say they would see fighter jets flying into this mountain in Mount Blanca and they would see Tic Tac UFOs chasing fighter jets as if Mm. in training exercises. So there's like an underground base where there's UFOs and government military planes. Mm. And so people would go and camp there and her farm went belly up because there's not enough water for the cows to eat. So they just started the UFO watchtower. So I ended up giving her my meteorite. So now there's a um, meteorite in uh, the UFO watchtower that belongs to me. And it's like a shrine <laughs> to the alien gods there. 
Yeah. Like it's like people leave offerings there. I like stuck a hit of acid in one of the gray aliens mouths. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was great. But I, I ended up talking to that woman for a really long time and there's a magnetic anomaly there. Like I saw it with my own eyes, the compass, it goes crazy. It's like a magnetic anomaly. It's pretty cool. And they say they have psychics look at it and remote view it. And there's like a ship under there or something. It's, it, she has a very synchronous story, but I didn't end up seeing any UFOs at this place. And I ended up having a lot of conversations with people and they started going into abduction and it freaked me the fuck out. And my UFO journey was done. I headed to Colorado Springs because the abduction (laughs) stuff just freaked me out. So as I'm in Colorado Springs, I pull up and I decide to go randonauting. I get my first point outside of the garden of the gods and it's uh, a point and I go there and I look up when I get to this random point and it's a bar called the burrowing owl. And I don't know if you know this, but our, our logo at the time was a burrowing owl. Sure. So like my intention was to get to know the city and like figure out what I was doing. Cause I had a few days off. So oh, this is fucking weird that I'm telling this story. I actually have a shirt on from this. Okay. So wow. I go to the bar, <laughs> I go to the bar and, um, I meet this lady and, and they're like, how did you find this place? Nobody ever comes here. They were like, I was like, I, I found it using my app going to random places. And we all took a shot to the random knots, like even the bartenders. It was awesome. <laughs> but I ended up talking to this lady there who told me about all these healing vortexes. And like my intention was to get to know the city and figure out what I was going to do. She told me to go to Manitou Springs, which is the shirt I'm wearing right now. Manitou Springs. Oh, funny. And, and so I go, I go to Manitou Springs. It's like healing. It's great. And she told me about Crestone because the UFO watchtower is right near Crestone, but I didn't quite make it there that year. So this year, me and my girlfriend want to go to Colorado. So I go, great, let's go to Crestone because I, I, she told me about Crestone. I hadn't gone there. I thought it was going to be great. So we go to Crestone and we go to, and it's like, the Crestone is beautiful. There's like 23 spiritual retreats. It's a healing vortex. They have all these stupas with like a piece of the Buddha's foot. It's awesome. Mm. Like, um, you, I pulled in, there's like a guy making pizzas, like in a little community parking lot. It's like a little community where they have a hippie vegan grocery store. And it's just like really nice in the mountains. Yeah. Right. And there's this supposed underground alien base there. So we stay at an Airbnb and um, I'm thinking like while we're there, I was like, man, this is so awesome. I like, I wonder how all these people make it out here because there's like nothing there, but there's sure. like people there. And I was like, well, they probably asked the aliens. Like, they're just like, they get help from, you know, they're, they're right there. They're under in the underground right. base. They ask the <laughs> right. And so I go, thank you, aliens. Like, thank you. Thank you. I'm having a great time. Like, please let us come back sometime. Like, this is great. Thank you. And then my girlfriend goes, Josh, you want to come outside and see this? And I walk outside and there's just a little boop, just a little white metallic looking. It looked like the flying saucer emoji just floating by a cloud. And like, at that moment I wasn't even thinking of taking a picture or anything. My phone had been off for days at that point when we were just like, thank you. Like it felt like a deer or something watching us. 
Like it felt alive and it was just completely still just like at a low flying cloud. And, um, we watched it for a while. We were like, thank you. You know, we want to have children. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, a cloud kind of passed by it and then it was gone. And so my UFO experience, um, in 2019, I didn't see any UFOs that time, but when I went rando nodding, I discovered a woman who told me about Crestone and I ended up going with my love of my life. And yeah. she saw the UFO and told me to come outside and look at it. <laughs> so, and your meteorite is on the UFO watchtower yeah. Yeah. of the woman who told you to go to Crestone and then you saw the UFO. Yep. Yep. Amazing. That's crazy. Wow. That's uh thank you for sharing that with us. I mean, yeah. you're definitely sharing that story amongst friends and individuals who have, you know, had a connection to the strange and in a very similar way that you experienced there. You know, yeah. uh, these things change people's lives. And that's the whole scope of, you know, like people, some people ask me like why I do euphemet or what attracts mm-hmm. me to the human stories involved in, you know, the unknown. And, it, and it's because they're stories of, of complete transformation, mm-hmm. you know, and no matter what any of these things really are, uh, how they change and shape our lives is real. Yeah. And I think, you know, your, your, your app is essentially opening up a door to those individuals to, uh, consider the notion Mm -hmm. and, and whether someone believes or not, it's at least opening the door to the suggestion of something so much more strange and unknown happening. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. If you want to talk about the unknown and, uh, Randonautica is basically going to the unknown. That's what, that's what it asks of you. And so it's, what's funny is how difficult it can be to convince some people to just go to an unknown place. Like there's such a wall up there sometimes. So for, for your listeners to go, okay, we want to explore the unknown. That's really cool. Like that's really exciting and cool. So I really appreciate you guys. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you, man. I mean, uh, you know, the more we've got to know you over these last two conversations too, you keep, uh, opening up more and more. We appreciate that. You're a weird guy like, like us. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What is your impression of, of this relationship, uh, to, to essentially these, these active places? Uh, for one and for two, can you share with Josh what Dean Radin said his impression of Randonautica was? Sure. Yeah, I was actually I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna mention that at the end there. So uh, the question is uh, the question first. The first one is about um, the relationship between Randonautica and these hotspots, these these geographical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my teacher calls the intersection between the continuity of life, what I used to call the river that swims the fish. Mm-hmm. This other thing, which like it's kind of like our, our consciousness is all kind of popping off of this this one force that's just continually going, and then there are these densities that sort of crisscross with it, and then there's a, a, where those densities cross, there's a location, and in those locations, that's where you might find um, 
you know, like eddies in a river that you might call a, a human being or a city, you know, micro or macro, it doesn't matter. So I'm saying all that because I, I, I think that some of these places have been e- either by um, design, uh, the natural unfolding of life, or because of human beings or other intelligent beings uh, manufacturing it, they've created specific points that attract more of that certain kind of energy or work with it differently. It's all of those things. You know, it's just yeah. like a geometrical uh, location that is able to be worked with on that level. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, sure. all, that, all that is to say that it, you are naturally going to be attracted to more of those areas. It's just the way it is. And then what the app does is it helps reveal how malleable reality is, how malleable that cupness of time is. And something I didn't say earlier is it's it, the cupness of time. It's, it's all it's relational. You know, that's what's mm-hmm. so important about it. You know, it's always the past, present and future. They're always interacting, you know, and it has everything to do with our consciousness. So the moment that we awaken to something and we, we remember something about the past, the past is now changed because we mm-hmm. remember that. You know, mm-hmm. it has, it's this ever flowing, dynamic, moving thing. And a part of what Josh is doing here with Randonautica is it's breaking us out of memory in a certain way because you use numbers but i started to i wanted to bring this in before because i wanted to talk about the role of memory in these locations mm-hmm. and the role of memory in human beings and the role of memory in randonautic itself and mm-hmm. the data that you're using and, and, and this is all to me this is a, a really cool exploration of what happens when people uh, move out of memory and into the unknown into relationship mm-hmm. with the unknown thus revealing something else and we can't know what that is until we find it yeah, that's super cool. I, I mean, I got a few things to say about that. So as far as like um, places being like alive or something like that was my experience, like my defining moment when I started playing with randomness, the third place I ever went was where I found this mysterious tribal looking drum in the woods. And when I saw this drum, I was like, I thought it was a drum but I didn't believe my eyes. And then I walk up to it, it's just in the middle of Dallas. And it was like, of course, I didn't know if I was going to get interrogated by the MIB or something. Like I was really freaked out. Like I was super spooked. And then I see this drum and I was freaked out. So I left it there and I would come back. I kind of booby trapped it to see if it would move. And it was full of dirt. So it looked like it just had like come up in this drainage ditch, like just washed up. And so another time I went back and I took my best friend to see this drum. And he has a really interesting story about being haunted by like these shape-shifting snakes that was like part of his development. And it it involves me because he was like hallucinating me as one of these snakes. And it was like part of his psychosis and like really weird, like he went too far, like came up too quick, Kundalini awakening. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we both knew what the snake meant to him you know and when we go to see this drum i'm showing it to him and then at eye level he looks and there's just a snake earring i have it i have it here somewhere but there's just a snake earring just right at eye level and we looked at each other and we both knew what that snake represented and we were so spooked Hmm. and then i go back again to visit the drum And one of these times I'm walking through the woods and I hear a rattlesnake shake its tail 
and it's a bright red rattlesnake. I didn't even know they had red rattlesnakes. Apparently, they have pygmy red rattlesnakes in North Texas. It was bright red. I still remember its beady black eyes staring into me. And when that snake rattled its tail, it permanently heightened my awareness. Like I was seeing snakes out of the corner of my eye for weeks after that. Like mm. it seriously freaked me out. But just right where we found that snake pendant, we found a rattlesnake and I almost stepped on it. Oh and like, God. I found some weird stuff like these onions, like these red onions that like didn't rot for like two months. And like, whenever I would go there, it would seem like these big trees would like get moved around. And like, mm. there was this grass that it looked like a crop circle. The grass would always be laid down perfectly. Mm. Like a great force had come through there. And so like uh, through my interaction with this place, I came to suspect that it was alive and that something was going on there. Like there was some kind of vortex or there was some kind of energy, like moving things around and like attracting things to it. And, um, yeah, so I can definitely tell that some of these places are al alive and, and I think it does take you to these points of, uh, it can take you to places like that seem alive. And then on your point of where it's relational, absolutely. Um, Randonautica from the beginning has, has been about um, mimetics, which is mimetic researchers cluster around relations. And so there's this like world of forms and there's this world of concepts. Right. And in Randonautica, you're like going in the physical world, but you're also exploring internally this world of concepts and this neighborhood of ideas. Hmm. And so like how you said, yeah, you're exploring memory. It, it truly is like, cause you're taking up a different astral space when you're out mm. there, um, making these different connections. So I, I totally feel you there. And I'm listening, I'm, I'm hearing your snake story and I'm thinking about, you know, I have, I have a healing practice. I, I, I work with people all the time. And uh, what I've noticed is that as, as, as I do more and more healings with people at certain times, there are things that start to show up everywhere for them and they mm -hmm. can't it anymore you know and and to them they think oh this is a bad thing right the snake is everywhere oh my god the snake i'm seeing it everywhere but to me i'm saying there's something that's ripening inside of you mm -hmm. there's something merging out of your consciousness and now i'm thinking mm -hmm. about the relationship between that and this tool of randonautica how if people like is let's say you're let's say you're a perfect student you're a perfect healing person whatever and you're, you're setting your intention to heal all the time so there's always some part of you that is emerging right and, mm -hmm. and, and, a, and a good pace then you do use randonautica that's going to get you out of your habitual memory mm -hmm. patterns it's going to bring you into the unknown and it's going to i, I think it's going to have to accelerate um, um, some sort of meeting between the known and the unknown in relationship to the consciousness that's currently emerging. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. It's yeah, a transformation like we yeah. were talking about. Yeah. yeah. And that's what the owl and the snake both, both represent is transformation. And these symbols just evolved naturally. Yeah. And what is the nature of memes? You know, that mem memetic quality is... Yeah is change yeah yeah wow and tim you know bef before we move on uh you know tim and i once had to jump over a rattlesnake in the high desert of eastern washington one summer <laughs> that was really fun um but tim what else did what else did dean raiden say oh yes yes, yes. what well, he 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 was talking about how this is very much like an upgraded ouija board uh -huh. and I'm curious i'm sure you've heard that before so i was just curious what your response to that would be well, I think um, I, I, I love that comparison, um, both because um, spirit boards are a generic thing and everybody knows the name Ouija. So 
you know, if Randonautica is that name, I love that. But um, <laughs> I think the the rise of the spiritualists was really cool. And, and that, that spirit board really opened up um, a big movement with the spiritualists um, into looking into different stuff. So for, for me to hear that, I, I think that's really cool. But of course, I'm not afraid of pseudoscience or any of these kind of associations. So, you know, that might be death to someone else, but I, I think it's really cool. And that um, I think we need to take back um, our divinatory practices from, um, you know, the, the high priest to the, you know, the, the back, back alley tarot card mm. reader or something, you know, like these are folk folk practices that I think we, we should be more engaged with. And I, and that's one thing I'm really excited about is, how people start to use Randonautica as part of their personal development and like mm-hmm. looking back and like seeing that as some kind of milestone or like there's something in their personal development and what kind of like legends that will make, you know, I think that's really cool. But I, something else Dean Raiden said that was really cool was that we should send people two points, one that's influenced by consciousness and one that's just pseudo random mm-hmm. and see if they can tell us what the difference is. Hmm. We we, we kind of had something like that before, but we haven't done that in a while. It might be really cool. That's fascinating. So you have had conversations with Dr. Raiden. We've had people like you guys mm-hmm. asking him about us. Yeah. I, <laughs> th- these guys won't talk to me, I think, because they have all kinds of stuff going on. But <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Is, is but, it accurate to say that it's an upgraded Ouija board or does that do you disservice? It could be used. I think um, it could be used for that purpose. Um, I think that is sort of diminishing it a little bit because I don't think we're classical uh, divination. Um, We could be used for that purpose, but it's something bigger too. Excellent. I want to make a comment on the, on the Ouija board comment and to what your response was, Josh, because I think that like when people think about the Ouija board, yes, they think about classical and they think about the Ouija board in contacting spirits. Like uh-huh. I'm contacting the dead, contacting spirits. Right. And I think that I don't, I personally, as someone who uses the app, I don't feel like that's a fair comparison because mm-hmm. of the fact that I'm opening myself up to encounter so many different things, mm-hmm. whether that's like what Tim is talking about, like, is it leading to something that in me is ripening that I need to be aware of? Uh-huh. Is it leading me to uh, re-soul myself as you you know, were mentioning? Is it leading uh-huh. me to break out of that? that filter bubble. Mm -hmm. And I think that it can become so many different things, just depending again on what you're setting your intention in, in that moment versus in the past using like a spirit board or a Ouija board and sitting down and going like, Hey, we're trying to contact Uh grandma or whatever is I think that there is, there is different intention behind it. And I would almost think that think, cause you were talking about Gen Z earlier. Yeah. God bless Gen Z because they will, get an app and they will run with it and they will try. They're so willing to try so many things. Right. And just be like, I don't know. It's a new app. This could be cool. And so they go. Um, I also sound 85 years old right now. It's fine. (laughs) But like, like I think though that that is also what is amazing about that because they are not as conditioned into this classical, like, well, does this fit your really defined spiritual practice that can exactly. only look certain ways? 
Exactly. And that's what I never wanted Randonautica to be was like this codified index of, okay, if you go to a Randonaut point and you see this, then that means this. I never offered something like that. Like I, and I'm sure someday that will spring up and there'll be some Wikipedia page where if you get a dead end, someone typed out what that means. But personally, I was never about giving someone what the explanation might be. Like it's always the mystery and that mystery is for them. You know what I mean? And I want to keep that mystery. So using it in this like codified index of knowledge where if you roll this, then it means this, like, I, I, it doesn't interest me. Like it probably will happen and I probably will live to see a glossary of, you know, if you get this while you're randonauting, then it means this, but mm. I never wanted to see that. It, it, it's the, the natural progression of this is the person who invents it wants to keep it alive and dynamic and exactly like you're doing. And I hope you can do it for as long as you possibly can. And everybody that you talk to, you remind them of that. Because right. everybody else that doesn't have your courageous spirit is going to try to keep things safe and organized and say, okay, this is this, then I know what that is. And now yeah. I'm in control and I feel better. And your whole thing is about be a little bit more uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. find, find the control in that, right? And yes. So you're going to run into humans and do humans. Do you ever feel that pressure from just sort of the tech community or the other corporations or companies that are similar to yours or VCs that can't quite understand what this app is and what you're I, doing. I, I think we're super blessed. Um, we are going to be able to make our way our own way and we've chosen to do so. So I've talked to VCs and stuff, but I've never been that interested. Like we're bootstrapping like, that's how we're going to do it because we're not going to sell data or increase addictiveness and all, all these metrics that they want to use. We're, we're not considering those things. So the, the pressure, I mean, the pressure of, you know, running a business is there, but what, what I feel pressure is that people are looking for a guru and I do not want to play guru. Hmm. Yeah. That's what I feel. The pressure is like, and, and, but, but at the same time, I want to be a good influence, but I'm not, I don't want to be somebody's teacher or, you know, teaching classes and telling people how to manifest love in their life or something like that. That's better left. I think for them to figure out for themselves, but I definitely have people messaging me on Instagram all the time. Just like, how can I get contact my dead grandmother? And what does this mean when I get this? And does that mean I love him? And I, you know, that I feel the pressure of that. Because I, I'm, you know, I'm still a human, and I, I, I very much connect to these stories that everyone has. Like that is like food to me. Is like hearing someone's just story of going to a random place and finding just something that stuck out to them. Like that is like the purest thing to me, and I yeah. love it. But I, yeah, I definitely feel the pressure of, um, you know, I, I don't want to misconstrue this as you know the ultimate answer for someone. Like for me, it did good things. And I know I definitely am so grateful for all of the interesting experiences I've had outside of my normal probability tunnel. But I, I never wanted to misconstrue that as like, you know, some essential oil multi-level marketing scheme or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think people though get very, um, like they get only so comfortable breaking out for a while. Like, oh, I'm going to break out of this box. I'm going to move out of the binaries. And then 
when it points to something that fits within their comfortability, then they, I feel like they often rush back into it. Like, well, does this mean this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, like, and, and it's, it's hard. It's challenging as human, like to Tim's point as humans to be like, Hey, just let it yeah. be what it is. And it might yeah. be a crowbar you need in a year from now. Exactly. 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 Like, exactly. Like, or, you know, that does that. I feel the pressure of that, of like people who are putting like real decisions on the line and then they go read a piece of garbage and make some big life decision that, that worries me. Like getting these concrete answers, um, kind of worries me for these people and putting, putting too much stock in it. That kind of, it kind of freaks me out. Cause I would never do that. Like, I, I, I think that could lead to delusion very easily. Mm. You know, like I, I'm about finding the best, you know, evidence that I can find and comparing that I'm not going to listen to my tarot cards, no matter what they say, you know what I mean? Like, and there's some people I've met who it leads into delusion where they're just mm. trusting the cards and they're not taking in that feedback loop of reality. So I think there there's a very fine line. And that, like I said, that's why I'm really interested in this integration process, because I think this transformation process in the conceptual space is huge. And then once you have it in the conceptual, I don't think you really need to cognitively, consciously bring it back to the physical and go, okay, now I'm going to do this. It just, mm-hmm. it kind of happens. It's, it flows into your daily life without you having to make those choices consciously you know you're you're transformed you have those experiences and it changes your perspective and your worldview i don't know necessarily about getting a yes or no answer from randonautica though that is kind of scary right i mean that that's that's a that's a genuine and legitimate fear you know i mean so many people for the first time i imagine are experiencing the strange and the unknown for the first time in a significant way while using the app. And for a lot of folks, myself included, you know, when you have those type of experiences, you, you find yourself in that dark night of the soul, right? Mm-hmm. Robert Anton Wilson would say chapel perilous, right? Yes. And, you know, that's a, that's a tricky situation, especially for someone that is completely, um, uninitiated mm-hmm. right and, and they're they're questioning what is really going on here i need answers i need mm-hmm. a guru or something just mm-hmm. someone tell me that my reality isn't shattered here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i can understand your uh that responsibility that, yeah. that could that could weigh on you but but I'll, I'll say this joshua like i think that you're not alone in that right yeah. and there's a lot of people struggling with that, especially in the conscious space, how to helpfully integrate individuals mm-hmm. who are standing yeah. at that cliff. Uh, yeah. Tim, Tim, you have a lot of experience in helping folks, you know, on that pathway to integration. What, what would you say about some of that process? Well, you know, Jack, you're working with an advanced consciousness. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know that yourself, mm-hmm. but reality and in a way that allows for the malleability of it to play itself out. And then you've got all these other people that are on a search for meaning all the time. You know, human beings are meaning making machines. We we spin narratives and we want the things that we see, we fit them into those narratives. And then that makes sense. And then we can tell ourselves that we feel okay, we're safe. Uh So they're going to use this, this, this application for that too. There's really nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. So I think more people should hear you talk because you embody the spirit of the application. And I think they'd get a lot out of it. 
No. So even though you're not a teacher, you're kind of, kind of stuck. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so funny too, because my parents, like I grew up in the theater and my parents like made me like my first job was a professional actor when I was 10 years old. And I, I grew up doing that and I never wanted to do it. Like, mm. and I just always have gotten stuck there for some reason. So it's like, it literally is like my job to, to do the performance. Um, and, and, and like, it's people like you guys are, are doing that with reintegration process with like having a community on these subjects. And like, that is what, where the work is done is in the communities, I think, because I'm thinking about how do I solve this problem of reintegration and stuff? And I go, well, we're doing it in a way in that I know these people are friends with these people who are friends with these people and they're having these conversations and they're working it out. So I I think, you know, all you can do is really hope for the best. Yeah, that's right. Have conversations like this. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for joining us, Josh. This this has been terrific. You know, we got to do this again. Please. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to it since I last did it. Seriously. Like, thanks, thank you guys. Same here. Yeah. We, we think it's such a fascinating example of all the things that we talk about yeah, on these exactly. panels and on the podcasts and, and everywhere in between. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're just, we're super excited to sort of be a part of it with you in, yeah. uh, you know, having these conversations. So appreciate yeah. I, likewise. Heck yeah. Very heartfelt. Thank you. Well, well, thank you, my friend. Uh, Darcy and Tim, any closing questions or words for Joshua before we let him go? Mm, I just, Josh, it's great to talk to you again. And I'm, I'm just excited to hear how things are developing and watch how the app is developing and, and getting to engage more with it. Cause this has yeah. definitely been a, a, a joyous thing in that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think I'm just looking forward to our next conversation. Well, I'm excited too, because we're, we're going to be doing some really big things in the future. Like we just had to rebuild the app because one month we had a $6,000 server bill that almost put us out of business. So we had to reconfigure everything to make sure that that didn't ever happen again, but we got back up, we got everything going and we have some really cool plans for the future. Like we're about to be releasing um, this feature where people can go random nodding in, groups no matter where they are in the globe so you would set your intention at the same time as your friend even if they're in china and you would generate a point together and it's going to give you the same random point on the radius and due to the fractal nature of reality hopefully that you you both should find something interesting even though you're (laughs) both in different geographic locations um, it, it should be it should be pretty cool so yeah look out for the shared anomaly that should be coming out in 2021 amazing man awesome amazing. thank you Josh thanks guys yeah keep up the good work Josh I can't wait to look, see thank you guys I really appreciated it Thank you for listening to Night Drift. Thanks again to our guest, Joshua Langfelder. You can find Randonautica in your app store. And thank you to our panelists, Darcy Staniforth and Tim Rothschild. To be a part of our next live Zoom interview, join us at patreon.com slash euphemic. And remember, subscribe to Night Drift's new feed wherever you listen to podcasts. Music on the show tonight by Magic Sword, courtesy of Joyful Noise. 
a record label curating adventurous music from a plethora of amazing exploratory artists. Find links in our show notes. Thank you to our sponsor, Shudder, as well as to Anchor.fm. This edition has been edited by Kyle Gilmer of Residual Audio. For everything Night Drift and Euphemet, merch and links to our social media, visit euphemet.com. And thank you for listening. This is Jim Perry. And until next time, keep looking up. You can follow Night Drift with Jim Perry on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. <laughs>